Hey, it's Chris, and welcome to the after party. Well, kind of. I think, guys, this is gonna be the end of the after party, but wait, not really, just I'm changing the name. I think that a name change is necessary because I want to talk about other things that aren't just Apple related all the time. Now, the show's not predominantly going to change. I plan on basically producing the same show, in fact, more often, than the after party, the old after party that you've come to know and hopefully love. It's just that I really wanna talk about some other things that aren't necessarily just Apple or even just tech. Like there's some cultural stuff or some YouTube stuff that I might wanna talk about too. I really think you guys are gonna like it. If you've liked it up until this point, you're gonna like the future versions of this show. So the big reveal, I think, the name is going to change to Hey It's Chris. And I think you know why, that makes perfect sense. Um, the show really can revolve around me and my interests, and my personality, like it always has, uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to attach itself to daily tech. Now, everybody's been asking like, where's the after party? And I appreciate the support. I really have been taking some time to plan uh, Apple hype and get that launched in its new form, and that's going. We're like 15 or 16 episodes into that. So in the grand scheme of things, I wanted to get that sorted out and uh, you know, Daily Tech, the channel, the main channel, which is kind of the bread and butter of everything that I have going on. It's really what pays the bills, the main channel. That's not really changing. I think we have a Apple event coming out here around the corner and that should really ramp up nicely with some main channel content. And then the after party, it was kind of on the back burner, not because I wasn't enjoying doing it or didn't wanna put anything out. It's just, I wanted to kind of reformat a little bit and refresh, do it the right way. And here we are now with Hey It's Chris, and I'm excited for this new era, and I think you guys should be too. Because if I'm excited, let's face it, then that's what ramps me up to be talking and, and you know get excited about new news and products and, and just events. And what I really picture this show being, honestly, is I've been thinking a lot about this lately, is just like hanging out. I really think, because I know how I interact with other YouTubers, I'm gonna talk about that in just a second, as it relates to Jonathan Morrison and him moving on from his tech YouTube channel. But the way I think I interact with YouTubers and online personalities is really that there's some familiarity and almost like a digital friendship that develops. I mean, you guys see me, you hear me, I don't see you as much. You comment and we interact in that way on a bunch of different platforms. But that's what I really think this is. More than just the tech topic of the day or the news or whatever it is, it's really about shared interests and being able to kind of shoot the breeze. And I wanna do more of that. I could see in the future where something like this, Hey, It's Chris, ends up being the main thing instead of Daily Tech the channel. Not that I would ever, I have no plans of shutting down the main channel and, and you know abandoning it or anything. But what I'm just saying is, there's a, I've thought long and hard about what I want to do in my future. And this is the kind of thing that I really enjoy. In the future, I would like to hire some people, bring them in, have somebody to interact with as I'm talking. Uh, and, and you know, I don't know. But, but I do think that there's a big future in this show and format. And part of what I've told myself is, you know, things are gonna change and I just have to accept that and ex expect it actually, whether it's the format or the topics or the style or people that I bring in, like I have to know that it's going somewhere. And I feel like this really can go somewhere. It's something that I can dedicate, you know, a lot of time to, it's enjoyable 
for it's fun, you know, for the time being. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it. So welcome to Hey It's Chris, and I'd love your feedback. I will just say though, as I'm looking back through the after party episodes, we're up to almost 50 episodes of Daily Tech, the after party as originally envisioned. And there's been a lot of good times. Uh, some of these were hard to put out because maybe I just wasn't in the mood because I felt like it had to fit a certain format or something, uh, or I was just really busy. But that's something that I wanna change here going forward in the future uh, with Hey It's Chris is that I don't want it to feel like a burden. So I'm gonna pick topics that don't feel like a burden and I want it to be more of a main focus, not just like a side thing. That's like, oh, I, I have to go do that because I'm supposed to, you know, once a week or something. I may toy around with like doing this twice a week, maybe more in the future. Looking back over these first 50 episodes, I don't know if anything really stands out, you know, uh, from anything else. And, and that's part of the thing. That's what I'm talking about. We're just kind of hanging out. I feel like it's a time to just kind of chill, shoot the breeze. Yeah. There's some utility in that we talk about maybe some tips or, or news, you know, but that fades. And I think what you're left with is an impression of, Hey, it's just fun listening, hopefully. Oh, so the very first uh, topic, I don't know if you guys remember this, it was called get Apple products cheaper in all caps. I kind of remember that actually. Um, and yeah, I think I cut that up, I clipped it up a little bit, and I was kind of testing the clips format to see how it would do, and I learned, oh, there's there's some life there, you know, it has some legs that can work. Yeah, there's a lot of memories here, for sure. I wanna talk a little bit about the Studio Dock from Kensington for the iPad. I made a video about it on the main channel, on the Daily Tech channel, and people really liked it. The Studio Dock I'm talking about, and I think the video too, it's doing well. but. The studio dock as a thing, as an object, as an accessory has some obvious benefits. You just look at it and you see what it does, what it can add to an iPad and the new experience that it creates. And you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. It makes a lot of sense. Maybe not for everybody, but I can see some utility there. But the main feedback that I saw in the comments was, whoa, I really like this until I saw the price. And yeah, it's expensive. It's basically 400 bucks. Now you got an iPad, especially an iPad Pro, and you add 400 bucks to it, that's a lot of money. I saw a lot of people who said, man, I would pay 200 bucks for that, but even that I would feel like is too expensive. Or a lot of people were like, keep it under 99 bucks. This is basically just, you know, a dock. What is even being added here? I saw people even complaining about the ethernet port. Like everything is wireless. Why would you even have that? And one thing, I mean, it's the internet. People are gonna complain. You know, that's just something that happens, especially on YouTube. But what I wanna do in this video is kind of talk through, you know, the price versus what you get. And it, this is not my full review. I do plan on doing a, an actual review review later once I've had, you know, more time with it, actually using it. And I've definitely been using it. I really love using it in sidecar mode, you know, uh, it's great for that, but that's not really getting the full potential out of it, obviously. So I've got it, you know, my Mac here and I've got the studio dock right here and I'm able to charge stuff really conveniently without a bunch of clutter. I don't really love having, for instance, one of the pucks, the wireless charging puck just on the desk with that cable sticking out. If I'm going to have something here, anyways on my desk, like the studio dock, it might as well be multifunctional and do a lot instead of just one dedicated thing. So, you know, instead of just being an iPad stand, I really appreciate it, that it can charge my phone with Qi wireless charging and my AirPods. That's great. The biggest thing for me is I love my magic keyboard 
And so I have had situations where I undock it from use at the desk and want to use my magic keyboard. And I got to take it out and put it in. And that's, that's not ideal. But what are you going to do? If you want to use your iPad at your desk, you really, and get a lot out of it, something like the studio dock is exactly what you'd be looking for. So is it worth that $400? I will say this with my, you know, week or whatever, a few days longer than a week with this device so far. I love it for what it is, but it does feel expensive. I'm not sure I would really want to go out and pay that $400 for it. Now that's coming from somebody who still uses their Mac a lot. I have to for lots of reasons that I've talked about before. Two big ones would be the software, uh, things like Final Cut Pro. I need that Pro software and also just proper external display support. I really need that, want that for my kind of business. But if I was going all in on the iPad, I can't think of a, a cooler way to do that than this. So if I was going all in on an iPad, maybe I really would consider spending that 400 bucks. One thing that's super valuable that I think is not getting talked about a lot with the Studio Dock is just where it sticks your iPad. It doesn't put it as close to the desk as possible like so many other iPad stands do. It raises it up and it's a little bit more comfortable, more ergonomic to have it closer to your eye line. It's not perfectly you know, lined up with your head, with your face, but it's enough of a boost up there that it makes a huge difference. I really, really like that. The ports are brilliant in my mind for this reason. It's precisely because they're around the back and on the side that, and out of the way, and not adding a lot of bulk to the side, like a normal hub or dock for your iPad would. You know, the second you plug in a hub for your iPad on the side, it's dangling off and it's not looking good, you know, and you're plugging stuff in and that's sitting there dangling too. But with the studio dock, that stuff is more hidden. It stays out of the way. It's a lot more aesthetic. It feels a lot less cluttered. And I really appreciate that. And also it's just of such a high quality. I think a lot of people, when you just see the video, you miss that but it's a really solid, well-engineered product. I can just tell. I could tell from the moment my fingertips touched it and brought it out of the box and took it out of the wrapping, this was gonna be a high-quality product, and it is. So it's gonna last a long time. If you pay 400 bucks, you don't wanna use it for six months and have it break. I have definitely had tons of really flimsy iPad products, accessories hit my desk. You guys remember I made a video about that really flimsy, iPad keyboard, which was cool because it rotated all the way around um, and it was really, it articulated well, but it was just junk. And I said that in the video, I said, this is probably not something you guys want to buy. This is not something like that. This studio dock is built to last and to look good. So the question is, is it too expensive for someone to actually want to buy it and use it? I think the answer is it depends. If you're just looking for a stand, obviously, $400 is way too much. Look at something like the Hover Bar Duo from 12 South. That's what I'd recommend. But if your answer is, well, I'm going to use it with Sidecar and the Mac, then the answer is maybe. You know, I've done a lot of that in the last week or so, and I've found it to be great. I don't know if, it, if invaluable is quite the word, but great for sure, just because of all the extra functionality and the placement. When you move into the realm of considering going iPad only, for your setup, at your desk, nothing else. Then I think the studio dock really starts to look good. And you have to say, yeah, it could be worth 400 bucks. There's a little bit of news when it comes to Apple and MacBook keyboards. So Apple has a new patent 
showing how they can make retractable keys that can maybe make the MacBooks thinner. Now, I'm sure some alarm bells are going off in people's heads right now. There was a certain MacBook keyboard that gave people um, some anxiety. <laughs> and it was called the butterfly keyboard. Uh, and people didn't like it. They thought it was too thin. It just wasn't a good typing experience. And so Apple reverted back to a previous design, which people like. I like it. It's on the Magic Keyboard. It's on my 16-inch MacBook Pro. And here, Apple is thinking about changing up MacBook keyboards again. Are they crazy? No, they're a company. You know, they always are thinking about iterating, moving things forward, doing something different. But people may not react kindly to this information. <laughs> well, who are we kidding? I mean, all of us probably have two reactions, right? Reaction number one, uh-oh, maybe. And then reaction number two, and I don't know what the order is for you. Oh, that could be cool because it could go both ways. Probably at this point with the recent history that's out there and Apple having some trouble with keyboard stuff on the MacBooks recently within the last couple of years, I would guess they're gonna be pretty careful about doing any kind of major overhauls to MacBook keyboards anytime soon. So you have to think if Apple's even thinking about it, then they're thinking about doing it, quote, the right way, in a way that people are gonna like, make sure that the product is awesome, add some kind of value. Don't just take away from the keyboard that we all know right now, just to make things thinner, but if you can shave off you know, some space to make things more compact and thinner, and there's a, a good reason to do that, then why not? Now, this article in 9to5Mac says that earlier patents for Apple keyboards had actually suggested that Apple was heading towards just a solid state keyboard, maybe with some haptics, just flat. Because if you don't have keys that need to be pressed, you know, these little precious millimeters can be shaved off to make things lighter and thinner. And so actually under that scenario, what you would end up having is these electro, what is it? Electrostatic charges that would help users feel like they're pressing keys. So kind of like the ultimate form of haptic feedback. And I'm just guessing, you know, that would be less satisfying, you know, when you, the haptics are great in the iPhone, like really, really good, but it doesn't feel like you're actually pressing a key really. So, you know, if you're typing on your laptop, you, you there's a certain satisfaction to a nice crisp keystroke. And I don't want that to go away. So I don't really like that direction if that's where they were headed. Maybe someday if it was done just the right way, I don't know, but right now my first reaction is, mm, I'd rather have it be a bit thicker. So this particular patent, it's not actually doing that. They're actually talking about just making things thinner. So the whole thing here with this patent, it revolves around a magnetic system that lets the key function as it normally would when it's in use, but then be able to retract when it's not in use. Now that sounds a little bit better to me, like find a way to hide things out of the way, you know, slide them out of the way when you need to shut up your laptop. Here's the thing, with these kinds of patents, it's fun to dream about a different future. Like you like things to stay the same if you like how they are, but yet progress needs to be made. You know, in the Intel world, and this is something we could talk about here on the podcast too, with the Mac guy suddenly becoming an Intel guy. <laughs> but the Intel world is trying to tell everybody, oh look, the Intel stuff has all these different screens and you know, does, does so much more than a Mac and the Mac's just staying the same, same old Mac. Well, guess what? People really like the same old Mac. They really do and they don't want it to change once it's been dialed in 
to the level of perfection that makes people drool over these computers. But nonetheless, it is fun to imagine what the Mac might look like in 10 years. It may be unrecognizable by then. Maybe there will be no difference between Macs and iPads at that point. I don't know. But I think I do know that I would rather have this magnetic retractable keyboard than a flat keyboard with haptics. What about you guys? Apple has been checking out the idea of redoing the Apple Watch in a big way. So the Apple Watch has pretty much looked like the Apple Watch since the beginning. It's changed a little bit. It's never been circular. And it's just kind of had that rounded rectangle look. And depending on who you are and your preferences, you think that either looks great or it's looking a little long in the tooth or maybe you never liked it. Personally, I like it. Um, I've always liked it. I've talked about it before, but I never wanted the Apple Watch to just be a digital version of a circular analog watch. I didn't want that. I wanted it to be its own thing, do its own thing. So they came out with a shape that was unique so that you know it could fit certain types of information better than a circular screen. I like it to have its own identity. But this patent looks really different. And you have to understand, sometimes with these patents, I don't know how much you look at these patents, they don't often give away too much uh, aesthetic design information. You know, they're not gonna tip their their hand in that way and say, hey, check it out competitors, this is what we're doing. So they kind of keep things looking more obscure. This definitely looks obs more obscure, the photo that I'm looking at right now, because you do have kind of a circular face, but, but the face is a touch screen that blends into seamlessly the strap. It's like the band and the face, they're all one thing. It's just a truly wraparound display. Everything's display on the one side of the watch, band, and face. What's interesting about this is, you know, the rumors have been saying forever that Apple is maybe working on smart bands, but this appears to take it a little bit further and say, well, let's combine everything so that the band is the display along with the actual face, you know, the biggest part of the watch, the body, just make it all one unit. Well, that would definitely be a big change. And I don't know that it would be a welcome change. I really kind of like the idea of bands that did a little bit more than just hold the watch onto your wrist. You know, you can embed a little display in there that gives you a little extra information. Well, here's the thing. It, there's a good reason to think that maybe this isn't the best way to go. I'm not sure that it's more comfortable than just your traditional kind of a watch band, number one. And I'm not sure that it doesn't go down the route of like just making a change to make a change because, you know, the Apple Watch has had this same kind of a design basically dialed in with just minor tweaks over the years because again, it's selling really well, people like it, why mess with the good thing? But you'd hate to see something change like just for the sake of it, just to say, look, it's really different now because different isn't always better. When you think about it from a durability standpoint, that's one thing too. You know, I've had several Apple Watches in the past and I've talked about before when I was on a treadmill or something, accidentally smashing my watch into the side of the treadmill with this metal and getting that scrape, that scratch that's so frustrating, that first scratch on your new device, no one likes that. Well, what if the whole thing is display? You know, the new iPhones have that ceramic shield, but it doesn't, it's good for like drops, but it doesn't really protect against scratches as much as you would hope. So if the whole thing is a screen, if it gets a bunch of micro scratches, I wouldn't like that either. On the other hand, would it look amazing? And would it be cool to push the envelope in terms of which way's up, you know, on the watch? If the band is the display, whatever angle you're looking at could be up, you know? It doesn't have to be the traditional swing your arm around and, and you know, that's up and down or whatever. I don't know. There's 
probably endless possibilities. I've seen a lot of the patents that Apple's you know had for the Apple Watch and how we can integrate with like AR and VR controls. I don't know if you guys saw what Facebook was doing with their Oculus future with wristbands that help you control stuff while keeping your hands free. You know, there's some really cool stuff you can do with something on your wrist when it comes to the AR world. And Apple's probably really thinking forward to that as well. How likely are we to see a big design change like this? Well, if the rumors are correct, I don't think we're gonna be seeing anything anytime soon. You know, the new Apple Watch is coming out later this year. I'm sure it's gonna be fairly minor in any design tweaks or changes. So I haven't given my actual reaction to the guy who used to be the Mac guy going over to Intel, getting paid by Intel to say, hey, I used to be the Mac guy and now I'm the PC guy again. Except they don't really say I'm the PC guy because that brings back connotations of John Hodgman who was supposed to be the negative, you know, bumbling character in the original Mac versus PC ads. So they don't say that, but, but they're just saying Intel. There's several things wrong with this just on the face of it, right? If you do this, it's very obvious to anybody observing that Intel isn't happy with Apple Silicon. Nowhere in these ads really does Intel mention the M1 chip, which is the big replacement. The M series of chips is incredible. No one dislikes that chip being inside of a Mac, right? There's a few little hurdles, you know, in terms of switching from Intel to the, the Apple Silicon, but the benefits drastically outweigh those little cons. And those cons are just temporary. Talking about certain apps not working with the new architecture until they're fully updated, for instance. That's just one thing. It's a really small kind of thing because if, if it's not working for you, just wait to upgrade. So Intel coming out like this with this ad is obvious that they're feeling insecure about it, right? They're worried about it. Just here's the thing though, as a person who likes Macs, who uses Macs, you know, these commercials are not gonna do anything to move the needle for somebody, I don't think, not for me certainly, for somebody who is in the Apple ecosystem and likes their Mac. I already know, people already know the PC options that are out there, but it doesn't work for us. It doesn't work for me. You have lots of people who really love their PCs and that's great, I'm happy for those people. I see this picture with the Mac and then like seven or eight Intel laptops over on the other side of this table. And I'm thinking, I don't see a single thing on the other side of this table that I really want. Yeah, there's different colors. Yeah, they flip over and do some yoga and make tent modes and turn into tablets. But and in my mind, a tablet and a two-in-one, it's not the same as a tablet. Like a proper tablet experience to me is the iPad experience. It's not a compromise between two form factors. It is just a tablet and it works really great. It's simultaneously the frustration about having to buy a Mac or having to buy an iPad, you know, or both. But the iPad is the penultimate tablet experience to me. <laughs> you can't beat it. Certainly not with, you know, a tent mode fold over two in one that ends up being really chunky. I don't know if you've ever actually held one. It, they're, they're chunky, you know, it's not better than an iPad to have some kind of a quote tablet mode baked into your laptop. Yeah, so I'm looking at it and if I ever did get a PC laptop, I think I would go the Razer route because I think of everybody out there, they kind of have the best designs or maybe the Dell route, but both just, I couldn't end up actually using them. I've used some really high-end PCs. People do send them to me as a tech reviewer, 
And I just don't like the experience as much. And I don't like the professional software as much. And I don't like that it doesn't integrate with all my other devices as well. My Mac works really great when I airdrop stuff to my iPad or my iPhone or vice versa. It's super easy to connect my uh, AirPods or my AirPods Max or AirPods Pro. iCloud is great. Backing up my photos and just getting my photos everywhere is great without having to use anything else. And you know, Apple's stance on privacy, you can't really go wrong there with that. So, you know, I'm just saying, I'm not trying out to, to convince anybody out there like, oh, you shouldn't consider Intel stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying these ads don't do anything except make me cringe as a Mac user. They don't make me say, oh, I didn't consider that. You know, I should get a an Intel. That's not at all what's happening here. You know, uh, the issue of this actual actor, you know, having done something with Apple and then going over to do something for a competitor, I don't really care about that. I know, I know the dude needs to get paid or whatever, and he probably doesn't actually have an affinity towards one or the other. For all we know, he actually does prefer a Mac in real life. I agree with a lot of the articles out there that just say it seems like a desperate move by Intel. It's just not a good look. If you have to try to disparage the competition rather than say, look how awesome ours is, you know, if you can just say, here's our product and here's why you should get it and want it, and it's so beneficial and it fires people up all on its own, that's a good product. But if you have to say, well, don't consider the competition because, and try to point out all the negative, that's just, it's not going to work. It's never a good thing. I'm looking at one of the videos. It has almost 500,000 views. This is on Intel's channel. It's called Justin Gets Real, Having Choices. It has twice as many dislikes as likes. Twice as many thumbs down as thumbs up. I mean, people can see right through this. They're not enjoying this. When you think of Intel, you think of chips, chip design, at least I do. And the real issue around this ad campaign is chips Everything else is sort of periphery, I think. And the M1s can run applications like Photoshop one and a half times faster than you could on an Intel-based Mac. And you know what? That's what's really funny here because there's still Intel inside certain Macs that are being sold. In some ways, Intel's like making fun of themselves. When Intel's saying, oh, you gotta plug in all these dongles, well, you have to plug in those dongles on an Intel-based Mac as well like my 16 inch MacBook Pro. That has Intel inside. I'm not really sure what Intel was thinking here. All right, so I did ask for some Twitter questions. I'm gonna try to spend no more than two minutes answering these, and if I can answer them quicker, then I will. Okay, Serena asks, what's my favorite smart home device and why? That's a great question. I think it's gonna be my security system. And really, I do like my particular security system, but any security system is really, really fun. Yeah, um, I have like a touchscreen oven and that's interesting, but you know what? It glitches out and sometimes my wife and I debate like, well, we kind of miss the old knobs and buttons, you know? Those just worked. I didn't ever end up getting smart locks because I don't know, it seems cool, but there's something about it that seems a little insecure as well, like less secure. That's probably not 100% true. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's some great smart home tech. For me, the security system is great. I got several cameras, I got the video doorbell, and I use them the most. That's why it's so great for me because I get a lot of use out of them. Set up the motion zones, you know, know if somebody's in the yard, see that UPS guy, uh, you know, trampling through some place in my yard that he shouldn't or throwing the package. I'm just using that as an example. The UPS guy is actually really awesome here. There's several events that have happened at the house 
that while I was gone that I just wouldn't have known about. So for me, the utility of that security system has just been invaluable, honestly. I know it's the boring answer because security systems have been around forever, but this is one that I set up by myself. Uh, you know, I didn't pay a company to do it. There's no hosting fees. So yeah, I really like it. All right, so the question is, if I could decide the next product Apple creates, what would I get them to make? That's an interesting question. I do get questions like this a lot. Uh, the obvious things would be two things. Number one, the Apple car. Number two, AR glasses. I would have to think the AR glasses first. Why? Because I think they would be uh, more attainable for more people right off the bat. And number two, you know, if the Apple car comes out, I'm gonna have to fight temptation to not get it, assuming it's not like a rideshare service or something like that. Assuming it's like an actual car that you can buy and own and use. When new cars come out, when new products come out, you wanna give it some time, especially if it's a car, you want it to be good to get all the kinks worked out. And V1 of an Apple car, I'm not sure I'm 100% there, like buying it right away. You look at Tesla, that's kind of been the tech person's car and it has some issues, right? Sometimes the panels don't line up and there's just some issues. So I anticipate there being some issues with an Apple car. Now, maybe not, okay? If they don't just build their own thing and if they partner with another seasoned, experienced car company to kind of create something and that company has a lot of know-how, maybe it works better. But I do think, uh, you know, Apple glasses would just be more applicable to more people. So for instance, how often do you drive? you know, some of the time, but how often are you somewhere where you can use those glasses? Like a lot of the time, if not most of the time. If we're talking about non-obvious things, things that aren't really in the pipeline, that aren't really rumored, that no one's really talking about, thinking about, I would like an Apple router. Again, they've made it before and they killed that router business. In fact, I would like Apple smart home stuff, right? Because of their stance on privacy, because of their aesthetic. How cool would it be to have uh, Apple competition for Ring? On the software side of things, I would like to see Final Cut Pro come to the iPad. Does that count? Because I really, really want that. Oh, I think I actually really have, a, a, this is my best answer for you. I want an external display made by Apple again. And not just any display, but an ultra-wide Apple display. That's what I pick. If I could have them launch something in a month, that's what I would really want. A 49 inch Apple ultra wide display that's affordable. Okay, that's gonna wrap it up for this first edition of Hey It's Chris. I'm gonna put the clips on the new Chris Clips channel, which is the old Daily Tech Clips channel. So we got some name changes happening here. Don't worry, I'll link things up though down in the description for you so you can get oriented and situated and subscribed. Because like I said, I view this as a big part of the future here, and I'm gonna be hitting it pretty hard so that we can hang out uh, and shoot the breeze more often about the stuff that's of interest. All right, I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Later.